Hi, everybody. Welcome to March 2022. This is sort of unbelievable. The year is trucking right along. Um, we just had a coaching session a couple of days ago in room one. So um, that's one reason why we may not have tip top attendance today. But the other reason is this is a new time slot, this 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, I personally like to play around with some different time slots just because we're all over the place. And I want to see if we can find that sweet spot that uh, works well for your um, schedule. And I'm wondering now if maybe 3 p.m. is not good because I'm thinking about like central time, Eastern time, you guys are probably finishing up your day and starting to make dinner or eat dinner or whatever. So I'm gonna have to rethink that for later times um, this month, but we have what we have right now. And that is totally fine because if we don't have any volunteers for coaching today, what I would like to do is just share my screen with you and do a review because who doesn't love a review? Um, I thought it might be a good opportunity for us to do a little model review and we'll do that right now. So for those of you who are um, new to coaching or maybe been dabbling a little bit, but want a little bit more information on the model, the model is the main coaching tool that we use here in um, room one. And we have lots of coaching tools we use, but the model is the one I think that's probably our kind of our backbone. It's like the scalpel, or if you're an orthopedic surgeon, it's the freer or the cob, freer or cob. That might be an argument we could have. But anyway, the model is really simple and I'll write it out for you here. Um, starts out with the C-T-F-A-R. Okay, so the circumstance, just reviewing what C-T-A-F-R means, C means circumstance. And the circumstance, if we, look at how Kelly and I were trained with coaching, the teachers would tell us, okay, this needs to be very factual, um, just really neutral, unedit, um, uneditorialized uh, part of the world. But I like to think of it in terms of what we observe in the world. It's like the data that comes in. Um, another way to think of it might be kind of like the things that are occurring around you, the things that are happening that your that your brain wants to kind of make a story about. So I don't get super um, detailed into getting you into like a factual neutral statement necessarily, but um, we just want to understand that really what this is, is outside of us. It's the world outside of us. It's our observable world. And what happens is, is our circumstances trigger us to have thoughts and our thoughts are just nothing more than these sentences that form in the brain. And our brains are these really amazing tools that 
the main existence is to keep us safe. Number one, number two, it's to make sense out of the universe. And so our brains are going to do that by creating a narrative and it's going to do the narrative through thoughts. Um, our thoughts then will cause us to have feelings. And in the traditional sense, you know, a thought creates a feeling and we think about the feeling happening in the body, but it's actually a lot more complicated than that. So our thoughts, hang on just a second here. Um, our thoughts can create feelings. And really what that is, is the sensations are happening in the body, but there's a feedback loop where the sensations travel back up to the brain and specifically into the cingulate and the insula or insular insula. Um, those are the two parts of the brain that then will interpret the sensations and give it meaning of a feeling. So it is more complex than just the feeling happens in the body. It's really the sensations are felt in the body. And then our brain makes sense of those as well. But anyway, so our thoughts trigger feelings, our feelings then drive our actions or inactions or reactions. And this is really interesting because if you think about your feelings that you've experienced, say in the last day or week, we very often want to stop feeling a crappy feeling as soon as possible. Or if we have a good feeling, then we want to keep that going. So our actions are usually directed at stopping the crappy feeling versus like maintaining a good feeling. So our actions are really tied to how we're feeling at any particular time. Um, then our actions will then drive our results and the results always link back to your thought. We have a tendency to think that our result is dependent on the circumstance, and it's really good news that our results are not linked to the circumstance because the circumstance is outside of us. Like we, we really don't have a lot of immediate control over external circumstances, but we do have a lot of authority over how we think, we feel, we act, and that the result that that produces. So let me see if I can come up with a, an example for you. Um, and we'll go from there. So let me just come up with a um, circumstance. Let's see here. I know this is one I actually want to make an email about for the whole group. So I'll do this. I'll just wet your whistle with this right now. I'll put the C line. February was my lowest income producing slash earning month as an orthopedic surgeon since I graduated from residency in 2009. So the lowest amount of money I earned as an orthopedic surgeon happened in this past February. And there was a time in my life when I would have made that mean something bad. So let me go through what, like before I've been doing all this mind work, I'm going to go through an example of default thinking pathway of how this would have affected me before coaching. So we'll say lowest income month since graduating in 2009. That was February. So we can see how that was my circumstance. 
because basically the way I got this information was, is our, um, our chief operating officer of my group every month sends us messages about, you know, what our paycheck is going to be on private practice and what I like to contribute to our profit sharing. And I was like, Oh, that's low. No, thank you. I'll keep all that money. Thank you so much. So, um, basically before coaching, I would have looked at this and I would have been like, um, I'm not doing enough. That would have been my thought that that would trigger. And really I'm not doing enough is really a superficial thought because really, if we look deeper, um, under our superficial thoughts, what we usually find is something like, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. And so I would have equated, um, not, you know, I would have equated, I would have equated a low income month as like me not being good enough. See how I do that? Like I see the superficial thought is I'm not doing enough, but really underlying that the messaging I'm telling myself is, is I'm not good enough. And so when you feel, or when you're thinking I'm not doing enough or I'm not good enough, then you feel worthless. And when I feel worthless, I number one, ruminate. And when I ruminate, that's basically our thought processes that we're kind of repeating over and over and over again. So I'll ruminate and tell myself more messages like, you know, like, why don't, why, why don't you work as hard as your partners? Um, you are lazy. So that goes in the A line, even though those are thoughts, they become actions when they're actually the things that are going on in your brain actively while you're ruminating. The other thing I might do would be to zone out with TV. Um, another thing I might do would be to like, um, buffer say with, you know, pasta. I'm not a sweets person. I'm more of a savory kind of a thing. I would just sort of like make myself go numb with pasta. And then what else? When I'm feeling worthless, I would, um, probably when I look in the mirror, I would say mean things to myself. So we can see here how all these actions then make the result. And what I like to think about the result as like how you show up, like what your lived experience really is, like what, what your moment to moment actually ends up being. And the result here is, is that I'm basically proving my, proving to myself that I'm not good enough, right? Like I'm reinforcing this idea that I'm not doing enough. So we'll just say reinforce idea. I'm not doing enough, not good enough. Because that's what I'm thinking. It's like pouring fuel on that fire of not good enough. Now, this is the old me. So that's called the default model. And the default model is not a problem. It's just kind of 
how our brains work. We have all kinds of psychoeducation about how our brains are wired that you can learn in room one. Um, but the bottom line is, is this is normal. And through intention, whether it's, you know, developing a better relationship with yourself or learning and believing in your own worthiness or practicing, uh, practicing these coaching skills that we talk about, you end up being able to disentangle this belief, which is just not even true. We end up being able to disentangle that belief and then to think something more intentionally. So now I'll tell you how I really reacted because I have been doing this work so much. So we'll keep the circumstance the same since we don't change the circumstance. I'll just paraphrase here. February was the lowest income month since graduating in 2009. And this time around, I was actually excited about it because I was thinking, wow, I'm finally, I'm finally doing this on my own terms. So I felt excited. And when I feel excited, first thing I want to do is share the experience with everybody. So I'll say like share with others, write an email to room one. Um, I've been giving myself props. Because I'm like, I really whittled. The reason I had a low income month is because I cut way back on my work. I just decided that I don't really want to be spending all day, every day doing orthopedic surgery. There are some people who do want to do that. And I love you and I applaud you for that, but that's not how I want to live my life. And I want to be able to be, um, having dinner with my family. I want to be able to exercise in the afternoons. I want to be able to read. Like right now I'm reading this amazing book called In an Unspoken Voice. It's, you know, I want to study trauma. I want to study more coaching. I want to become a better coach for you all. So there are all these other parts of my life that have like been turned on and come alive, but you, I want a time to do that. So I cut back my hours and gave myself time. So of course I'm not going to make as much money. And now I have proof that I'm finally doing it the way I really, really want to do it. So anyway, I've been giving myself props. I've been um, brainstorming about ways to use my time. I'm researching another course to take um, in a new type of trauma recovery. Um, so the list goes on and on. And the bottom line here is, is that now my result is I really am living life on my own terms and doing surgery on my own terms. So this is just a nice illustration of how our brain will have completely different reactions, completely different narratives or ways to make sense out of a circumstance. And it all just depends on where you are in your life. Um, it depends on like what kind of a relationship you have with yourself. It depends on recognizing your own worthiness and really believing in that. 
Um, I think it depends on, you know, really being in tune with your identity or identities, because we're not just this one-sided person. We are these multifaceted human beings that have so many different things to offer. So um, just kind of being in tune with those other parts of who you are uh, can really impact how you do this work. And then also trauma. I mean, I've been spending years trying to um, sort of like unpack why I am the way I am and, you know, how I have I don't know. How did, how did I hit this sort of like so-called rock bottom seven years ago? And then now like been just sort of growing and climbing out of that and trying to just come alive, really just not be an empty hollow human who just goes to work. Um, so anyway, I, I think I just like lost it a little bit there and got off task, but this is an example to show you how this default mode is okay. Like there's nothing wrong with this. And this is how our brains are really designed to be. So there isn't a problem to have a default pathway. I think recognizing that there, it, there is this balance that's available. There's a, um, you know, we have these different parts of our brain and different parts of our nervous system that have, um, levels of activity. So just like a brief kind of educational summary on the evolution. It's like the most primitive parts of the brain that have been evolving for forever, you know, since organisms existed, those are our most basic survival, like survival instincts. And that's like the freeze sort of like paralysis type dominant nervous system behavior and activity. And then we have our sympathetic nervous system, which is a little newer. And then our parasympathetic nervous system, which is even newer yet, as far as like an evolutionary timeline is concerned. But what's interesting is, is all three are still existing in our lives. It's just that it seems like that real primitive primal uh, system is what is dominant and what's available to us. If we just choose to work on it is having more balance between our other systems. So that would be the primal, most survival, immobilization, um, freeze type system, our sympathetic nervous system and parasympathetic nervous system. And another example of the availability of this balance is between our lower brain, the older brain and the prefrontal cortex, which is where, you know, the difference between the lower brain, where our, um, like survival skills live and kind of the default pathways, the negativity bias, the default pathways that exist. And then our prefrontal cortex, which is this really powerful intentional processor, like that balance is available, but unless you know it's available, unless you have tools delivered to you to be able to access this sort of balance, um, we end up getting stuck living our lives in these moments and our life ends up being just moment after moment after moment of us feeling uncomfortable and then just kind of like piling on ourselves with judgment and like shame and um, 
feelings of unworthiness. So, wow. I've been blabbing for a while and I see KJC is here. Yeah. You probably texted me and I didn't notice. Um, okay. Awesome. So let me save that. And then I'm going to stop share. KJC is in the house. Are you in a position to talk right now, my friend? Oh yeah. <laughs> this I'm, is what happens when there's like nobody to coach. <laughs> all right. I'm in Texas. McMichael has verbal diarrhea. <laughs> Perfect. You're wonderful. How are oh, you doing? I'm so good. I'm in Texas. That's amazing. What's happening in Texas? Ishwish, the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health, four-day conference starts. Texas in Texas. It's so, yeah, God bless to anybody who lives here. So Texas is not known for um, providing great information about sex, right? They're one of the more abstinence only, and they're, they're having some trouble, having some trouble with women right now. Mm. But which is ironic because uh, there's a sexual health conference going on in Texas. But when I drove here from the airport, there were two signs for like sex stores and like X-rated things. And I thought, isn't that ironic in a state that's like having trouble even teaching about sex ed, that it's sex is so heavily advertised. And my awareness brain is just enjoying being here and seeing that because they, they don't advertise it on billboards in where I live. I just thought it was interesting. That is interesting. Very, I thought it was very interesting. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in the Midwest and so I, there was, there was a fair amount of, um, you know, visible advertisements for that sort of thing, like clubs or stores or whatever. Yeah. Very. Um, well, good. I hope you're having a good time. Have has your conference started yet? No, I'm going to go register, but I got, it was a four hour flight from Seattle and it was, and I was, you know, you get, you drink your coffee and you're in an airport and your body's like, I just feel so unpleasant. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what, what do I do with this unpleasantness? And I, my previous me would have gone and had a drink mm-hmm. and the current me did 30 minutes of hotel yoga. Yeah. Yeah. I feel so good. And I took this long, luxurious shower without any children interrupting me. That sounds really good. It's, it's wonderful. I'm yeah. feeling about as fantastic as one can after flying four hours. So how do you do hotel yoga? Was that something like on the hotel TV or did you have like an app or something? How I, just, do that? I just use my computer. I have lots of yoga programs. Yeah. Um, I do beach body. So there's like a million yoga programs. And I just laid out a hotel towel, did 30 minutes of yoga and regulated my nervous system. Yeah, you did. Yes, awesome. you did. Good for you. I wanted to tell you about my parasympathetic alignment. I love that. <laughs> I love it. So, um, well, if you have to go register, then that's great. If there's anything you want to talk about, then that's great too. Or anything you want to tell the group. I was just basically doing a model review. Um, I don't think this 3 PM time is going to be the best time. Cause I was thinking like people probably are making dinner across the country, not in California. Could be. 
Yeah, or maybe eating dinner. I was thinking about the model today because that's what I do. But um, I'm reading The Body Keeps the Score. Yeah. And talking about how in when you've had trauma, you don't stuff gets to your frontal brain later than the midbrain anyways. Yes. But you kind of get the highway paved to the midbrain. Mm-hmm. And the model, I, I, you've said this and now I'm just repeating you because you're wise, but <laughs> the model is kind of when you think about putting that thought in between the circumstance and the feeling, that's really the higher level brain doing its job. And I think mm-hmm. they create a space for that and reflect because when you're in the heat of the moment, you can't always be like, what am I thinking right now? Right. But right. Like, what's so great about coaching is like to be able to reflect on it and kind of pull a verbal thought from something that maybe didn't have a verbal thought to begin with. Because mm-hmm. the verbal part of our brain is so high ordered, which is why so many people who experience trauma, they say they can't describe it. Exactly. So you're hitting the nail on the head. And that's what I've been learning in this trauma recovery coaching. It's like opened up my world so much to this whole other world of being and how, um, our bodies are really the thing that like has the answers and our bodies, because we're basically we're animals, right? We're animals. Like our bodies instinctually know what to do. And so we have this really awesome gift to be able to drop into the body and look to see what the body's trying to tell us. Sometimes I think that's a good pause, right? Because what we talk about with the model and, and especially trying to shift from some default thing to an intentional thing, like that's basically impossible when you're in a stress response or when you're in a trauma response. So, um, like that pause that you're talking about is really, really important. And so some of the things I've been learning in this book, which I actually think is better than the body keeps the score. Oh, that's Peter Levine. Peter Levine. This dude's amazing. Um, it's really fascinating and, and I won't go into it now since you have to go, um, register, but what I'm learning is, is like the thing that our body wants to do, we interrupt it because we don't want to feel like that, or we're afraid. And when we interrupt it, it gets, um, kind of like that energy, that undischarged energy is like stored up in the body and it needs somewhere to go. And so it ends up like, um, creating sort of like a negative feedback loop. If we consistently like have whatever your response is that you're in, he talks a lot about tonic immobility, which I could talk for hours about, but, um, your body has this like natural process that it needs to go through to release that energy. And it usually resolves in some kind of like shaking or even like really minute fasciculations at the skin level, um, or like surface level. And, uh, if we interrupt that, if we're so uncomfortable and we interrupt the whole process, it ends up like making the process longer and we get almost like chronically entrenched in it. So, um, the idea that you took your discomfort today and you did yoga with it is really fascinating, specifically yoga, because one of the things he talks about 
is one of the natural ways to get your body to release that, um, that undischarged energy is by something called pendulation, which is, is this process of contracting and expanding, contracting and expanding. And think about yoga poses, like every, every part of it is about you contract and then you expand. It's like inhale, exhale, contract, expand, contract, expand as you shift through the different poses. And I'm not surprised that you feel better afterwards. Like everybody knows they feel better after yoga, but like this explains why it explains why it's it's not, it's not like a fluke. Um, no. Yeah. And I think, you know, for the first quarter of this year, just focusing on the mind and going back to like the awareness, right. Mm -hmm. Like I just got to be in the awareness of like, I'm uncomfortable right now. Yeah. And I watched, I watched my brain be like, I'm too old for traveling. I'm probably going to get sick. Then I'm going to (laughs) get sick in a hotel room and I probably shouldn't travel again. If I feel this shitty, like my, that was my, what my brain was doing. And then I was like, hold on. Of course you feel unsettled. You just were, you know, going through two airports and flying for the whole day. And you, by the way, you woke up at four 30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like if you just bring that like awareness to like, okay, this, my brain's having these thoughts, my body's feeling this feeling. What are my options? My options are to push through, right? I could have just gone out and started talking to people. Mm-hmm. Could have had alcohol. And so your brain's like going through the options. Like, what are my options right now? And I'm like, I bet doing yoga, I'll feel better by the end. So let's just do 30 minutes and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And like, that would be a great experiment. But like, I just, I'm to the point where I just enjoy the observation of the entire like circus. <laughs> I know what you mean. It's like Carl Lowenthal talked about this in one of her podcasts. It's like being completely fascinated by, by us as organisms and how we interact with each other in the world. It's it's the like being fascinated by the whole process makes it really fun. It makes it so fun. And it, especially like, you know, with the mindset of curiosity, right. Of like, mm-hmm. instead of judgment, right. Like here I am beating myself up here, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's like being an observer is so fun. Yeah. They talk about in the book, I've written down quotes cause I'll probably do some Facebook commentary, Facebook things. The greatest sources of our suffering are the lies we tell ourselves. And this was a Harvard psychiatrist who trained the author of the book. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, oh, coaching, it's so new and mumbo jumbo-y. It's like, no, 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 there's just universal truths that keep popping up at the popping up at the right point when you need them in your life. Yes, absolutely. There was one by Rumi in here that I have to find and um, post it to our Facebook page. It was really, really good. Um, well, thank you. Thanks hey. for joining. I'll drop a, I'll drop registering at a sexual wellness conference to talk to you anytime, my sister. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh-huh. Um, I want to return my love to you in some way too. Oh, what can I do? You do always. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, great. This was a great little model review and a great little love fest between Kelly and Jess. So (laughs) (laughs) with that, I think we'll end this thing and we'll see you at the next, at the next, uh, coaching call. All right. Thanks Kelly. Bye-bye. All right. Bye.